Hi, Peter Borker here, and welcome to today's edition of the Transition Dynad. Joining me in the studio today is Jackson Millen, the Wealth Mentor. He's out from sort of Australia, so it's great to have him in the studio today. And he's the CEO of Urias Capital. So good to have you today. Thank you for joining great to be us, here, Peter. It's a, it's a pleasure, mate. Looking forward to having a chat. Now, tell us, I mean, Wealth Mentor, what does that exactly entail? Let me give you a bit of the backstory, Peter. I, um, I'm not your typical finance guy. I don't wear three-piece suits and uh, I'm, I'm not a, a, a typical money manager. My, uh, my career started in this space because of my parents. My parents were business owners. Okay. They, uh, they tried very hard to scale businesses with very little success. And they always taught me from a young age, they said, Jackson, if you want to be successful in this world, you've got to work hard for it. And this was coming from people that worked 16 hour days for as long as I could possibly remember. But as a, a curious kid, I remember realizing that there was something wrong with what they were telling me, that there was a big disconnect between the amount of effort that they put into their business and the amount of income that they got out of it. Right. And I very quickly realized that they were working for their money as opposed to their money working for them. So at the ripe old age of 19, I probably looked about 12 at the time, I decided to get a traineeship as a financial advisor. And I very quickly realized that I'd made a massive mistake, Peter, that I was in an environment that was very Wolf of Wall Street-esque. It was about guys in suits that were selling commission-based products to people like my parents who probably didn't need them. And I saw it as being essentially a a, a very shark-like environment, which I I really loathed. And I considered my choices. I said, well, I can run for the hills and go and find something else to do, or I can try and design a, a role that I thought I was getting into, which was becoming a wealth coach. Right. I wanted to work with people like my parents to teach them the language of money, because let's face it, we're not taught at school. And I wanted to show people how to manufacture financial freedom the right way, of understanding the tools, the strategies, and the ways to go about wealth creation that they could do themselves without having to be reliant on a financial advisor. And we've been doing that for over 14 years now, and we've helped our clients build over 1.4 billion in combined wealth in the process. Well, I mean, that's quite impressive, 1.4 billion wealth. <laughs> And what's even more sort of impressive, I suppose, I'm th- I want to focus on is that whole financial freedom. Because if anything, I mean, we've had the pandemic, global lockdowns, and probably people are fed up hearing about it. But the reality is it's left some people extremely well off. Some people have done fa- fantastic out of the whole situation. But actually, a lot of people, they'd barely recovered from 0809 when we were told that was going to be a once in the lifetime financial crisis and yet 10 years or 12 years down the line, they feel like they're getting shafted again. I mean, how do you help people like that? I think the first thing we need to realize, Peter, is that there's always a once in a lifetime event around the corner. It was yeah. famously said by Winston Churchill that those who fail to learn from history are bound to repeat it. And I use this principle to teach my clients to use the benefit of their hindsight to create better foresight, both personally and in their business. Because, yeah, there's probably only ever going to be one GFC and there's probably only ever going to be one Great Depression and there's probably only going to be one COVID crisis. But there's always going to be a one of the next thing, whether it be the invasion invasion of the shape-shifting lizard people or uh, something else that happens in the future, right? But the whole point here being is that most small business owners were grossly underprepared for what COVID presented. They, we'd, we'd come off the biggest bull run that most of us have experienced over the course of the last 10 years. And if you haven't been able to create a successful, scalable and profitable business over the last decade, then you really need to question the way that you're going about your strategy. 
And the biggest challenges that I've seen, Peter, is that most people were running their business on the smell of an oil rag. They were basically hand to mouth. They didn't have an emergency fund or a war chest. And they had a lot of their eggs in one basket, just expecting that their status quo is going to remain their status quo. And this has presented a, a huge amount of risk, which has bitten many people in the bum. That is so true. And I think there's a couple of things here. And number one, they definitely didn't have the, they were undercapitalized, that's for sure. But a lot of people were still, I mean, a lot of people took out a lot of finance to get through the GFC. And I don't know what it's been. I mean, the UK has had quite muted growth for 10 years. I mean, we've had a lot of, I mean, we talk about once in a lifetime events. So we had the once in a lifetime Brexit, once in a lifetime this, and it's, before you know it, it's just been totally, yeah, we've had a fairly suppressed market. So for many people, they just haven't been able to amass the capital. But then to what you said, I mean, they've probably got all their eggs in their one basket, in one basket, which probably hasn't helped. How do you help people get in out of that mindset of that eggs in one basket? The big problem here, Peter, is that particularly for entrepreneurs and business owners, they treat their business like it's the destination as opposed to the vehicle that it was intended to be. Because no one gets into business to have their business reliance on them. We all get into business because we want freedom and flexibility, right? We want to be able to do what we want, when we want, and with whom we want, if we ever choose to do it at all. It's about being able to pick the kids up up from school and go to the ballet recitals on the weekends and all of these nice things. But I can probably count on two hands the business owners that I first interacted with that actually have real freedom and fulfillment in their business. The vast majority of people have just created a job for themselves. So the first thing we need to do here, Peter, is that we need to reposition the business as a vehicle the vehicle that it was intended to be. And we need to define the destination of what does financial freedom actually mean for us as a human being, our business aside, what's the house we want to live in? What's the school we want to send the kids to? What's the lifestyle and the holidays that we want to go on, particularly when we can get out of our our country? We're on an island much like you guys, and we can't get off it at the moment. Yeah, but your island's slightly bigger than ours. It is a little bit bigger. I'm, uh, I'm working my way around it at the moment in our year around Australia, but that's a story for another time. But the key thing here, Peter, is we need to define what is the real measure of success. What does financial freedom actually mean for us? And once we do this, we should reverse engineer this into an action plan that allows our, us to use our business as the best vehicle that's ever been invented to manufacture that financial freedom. And we should stop chasing vanity metrics and start chasing the metrics that really matter, which is profitability and cash flow. And I probably think that's probably the biggest thing is a lot of people have chased revenue. They've chased a top line sales figure, which is absolutely fine. I suppose it's good for the ego boost, but if it doesn't translate into profit, but more importantly, it doesn't translate into cash. And that's why I've seen people come unstuck is they're owed a lot of money, which is absolutely fine. But if they can't get the money in, ain't going to help them. If their money in their business is tied in their balance sheet, they're equally as screwed. I couldn't agree with you more, Peter. One of the first things that we do with our clients is we teach them the power of the seven levers to endless profits. And very few business owners know this because most of them haven't been taught. Most business owners are good at what they do. They're great technicians and they outsource the financial functions to their accounts person or to their accountant or maybe even to their virtual CFO. Do they outsource it or do you think they they abdicate it? They abdicate it. They definitely do, Peter. And they put it in a too hard basket. And it doesn't need to be hard. Every business boils down to primarily seven levers. We've got volume. We've got price. We've got our uh, accounts receivable. 
we've got our accounts payable, we've got our cost of sales, we've got our overheads, and we've got our work in progress. And obviously, very varying businesses are going to change those things. Some are going to be more about inventory. Some are going to be uh, not are going to have uh, accounts receivable and accounts payable. But if we're talking about traditional services businesses, those seven levers apply. And the big issue here is, Peter, that most businesses are just pulling the volume lever. I need more leads. I need more clients. I need to grow a bigger business. But they haven't got the other six levers right. And it's by understanding the other six levers is where we create a truly scalable and profitable business that not only lines our pockets, but also allows us to disconnect our effort from our income. Because the big issue is get constantly chasing new clients is that that comes with a whole heap of new work. And typically, the, the most work you're ever going to do is onboarding a new client as opposed to retaining an existing one. So once we understand those seven levers, that allows us to create the right financial foundation that is conducive to creating a highly scalable and profitable business. I mean, and that totally makes sense. Now, for people that are actually stuck at this moment in time and government funding starting to come to an end, they've taken out huge loans to get through a shutdown period and probably eaten through all of those loans and actually don't have the capital to restart because most people think that in a recession the most dangerous part of the recession is actually the recession itself it's far from it because nothing really happens in a recession is actually today when we're coming out of the recession that's probably the most dangerous because credit limits have been slashed people are put on pro forma all of a sudden they're asked to pay for things up front that they don't have the cash flow to do. And that's probably going to be the thing that's going to wipe them out. How can they best help themselves? I agree with you hundred percent. It's the recovery where there's the most opportunity, but there's also potentially the most frustration and pain. So the first thing we need to do is we need to create an action plan. And that action plan is about what do we need to do to get back to break even using economic one-on-one principles, where we can't make a profit. We need to minimize loss. We use a framework that we call the Profit Accelerator Framework, where what we do is we work it over the course of the next 12 months. What is the reasonable, realistic profit target that you can aim for? It might be 200 grand. It might be zero. Whatever that number might be, we then need to work backwards from that. Okay, for me to make that level of profit, what do I need to spend and how much top line revenue do I need to make? Then in order for me to make that top line revenue, how many clients do I need to be working with? To get that many clients, how many strategy presentations do I need to do? How many discovery meetings do I need to do? How many leads do I need? And am I capable of generating that amount of leads? And what we do is we connect the activity to the outcome. And then the aim is, do we have the capacity and the bandwidth and the skill to bridge the gap? If the answer is yes, double down on the actions that really matter. Don't worry about the sexy things like systemizing your business and writing SOPs and doing all of these things. Focus on the things that are going to put dollars in the bank account and follow the path of least resistance to getting yourself back on track. We can do the sexy stuff later. If the harsh reality of your situation is that you can't achieve that target, then we need to consolidate and we need to work out what can we afford to cut? What fat can we cut to a point where we don't cut into the muscle? We need sometimes yeah. need to shrink ourselves to live to fight another day. Yeah, I normally refer to it as going get discount on your business where you just chop out what you can chop out and then you start again. A hundred percent, because it, it does take a hit to the ego. I've had failed businesses and businesses that have gone through hardship in the past and it hurts. Yeah. But the idea of this is that we shrink ourselves, we, we 
cut some of that fat and we live to fight another day so we can learn from that experience and bounce, bounce back better and bigger than ever because we typically do. Yeah, and to be honest with you, for a lot of people, their business is going to have to fundamentally change. I mean, I know for a lot of entrepreneurs out there, there's tons of resentment because actually what's happened to them, probably they've done nothing wrong. This is probably going to be one of the, it's going to be one of those sort of economic events that will take businesses out where the business owner themselves were doing everything right. It was just one of those unfortunate circumstances that probably very few people could have done something about. And I agree with you, mate. But I think what's important is the idea of what makes a good entrepreneur is being like water, as Bruce Lee famously said. Yeah. If you're an entrepreneur that is like water, you have the ability to go with the flow. When we saw the COVID situation happening, even us as a business, and we have six businesses that our business does over 5 million a year. We've got over 700 clients with a team of 27. We have a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of people who rely on us. And even we had a moment of when this thing hit saying, hey, wow, this could impact us. This could be really detrimental. What can we do to make sure we position ourselves and help our clients to make the most of this situation and get through this thing? And that meant potentially changing all of the things that we once thought were non-negotiables. And we just need to be open and fluid to potential change because the times are going to change. And if we don't adapt to the times, we're going to get left behind. I think that's the problem though, that people haven't adapted to the change in many circumstances. People have said, I'll wait to, I'll wait till we'll come out of this or I'll wait to see what will happen. And it's just like watching a really stinky movie. It's just like you're watching the worst movie ever. And you're like, (laughs) It's like you're you're part of that movie. It's like madness. 100%. And like a great case study of this, Peter, is Kodak, right? Kodak yeah. was the was a huge company. They discovered the digital camera and they buried the technology because they thought that it challenged their core business model. And look at them now. And it's just, it's one of these things that they failed to adapt. They failed to, to get with the times and they were left behind. They become a dinosaur. They become irrelevant. And there is no business on this earth that cannot that doesn't have the risk of becoming irrelevant every business can become irrelevant so it's about you maintaining on the cutting edge being conscious of what's going on around you in the macro environment and making sure that you maintain your business and its relevancy so you can see through to the future and if you become irrelevant you might also need to concede defeat and move on to the next thing yeah and the other example of that probably is blockbuster as well where they had the opportunity to acquire netflix for peanuts (laughs) and we know what the rest of the history is Exactly, exactly. Great. If people want to know more information about you and take our next step, where do they go? Yeah, so our whole system is about helping entrepreneurs flip the switch on the way that they approach their business. We believe in helping business owners create true lifestyle businesses that create them more profit, that create them more free time and create more personal wealth. I practice what I preach. I'm now spending a year traveling around Australia in a four-wheel drive with my girlfriend, Anna, and our two dogs, Dobby the Boxer and Otis the Pug. Even though I've got a multi-seven-figure business, I've been able to systemize myself out of the business and manufacture financial freedom at 32. And we do the same thing for our clients. So if you're in a service business anywhere around the world and you want more profit, you want to be paid more for what you do, you want more free time so you can disconnect your income from your effort, and you want to build more personal wealth so you can take chips off the table, um, best way to get in touch is via social media. Search for me on Facebook. We've got a free Facebook group where you get access to my best-selling books and some other great resources. And what we'll also do, Peter, is um, I've created a 40-point performance scorecard that businesses can use as a pulse check and a health check. 
It'll help them work out how they're tracking towards financial freedom and give them a little bit of an insight of what they can be doing better to get themselves on the right track. Perfect. The scary thing is that the average score is 18 out of 40, which means the vast majority of businesses are below average. But the good news is that when people do the scorecard, they typically can add at least 10 to their score within 30 days or less. So yes. I will include a link in the, the show notes. And um, guys, get some clarity so you can work out what you've got to do to get out of this thing. Now, perfect. Listen, thank you so much for taking time out. So, so jealous that you're getting to go around your small little island in your RV. So totally enjoy. Again, really appreciate it. If anything's resonated with you today and you want more information, feel free to head over to balka.com and get in touch. If you love today's episode, please like, subscribe and share it with others so they also can benefit. And most importantly, remember, failing to learn is learning to fail. So please stay safe. Jackson. Have an awesome trip. Thank you very much, Peter. I appreciate it.